We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome along to a special edition of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast and a crossover with the Rotoviz Best Ball Podcast. On today's show, you're going to hear myself, Colin Kelly, joined by my Rotoviz Overtime co-host, Sean Siegel. We are going to be also joined by our third person on the show, and that is Zachary Kruger, my co-host on the Rotoviz Best Ball Podcast. We are drafting a team together in the Never Too Early FFPC Best Ball Tournament. Excited to draft this one with the guys. So excited, in fact, that I agreed to draft this team at 2 a.m. my time. So it was a 9 p.m. Eastern start. This team, uh, fun fact, uh, drafted across three time zones. Sean out there on the West Coast, Zach on the East Coast, and me over here in Ireland. So three time zones crossed, and uh, let's hope that it leads to success for us. I don't think I've ever drafted this late. I'm, I'm pretty 100% confident I've never drafted this late. I've finished some drafts after midnight. I've done some shows after midnight. I've done some shows 5 a.m. in the morning. I've done lots of different things to do podcasts, but drafting at 2 a.m., I think this is a first, so it uh, it should be a lot of fun. You may hear in my voice that uh, you know this part here is recorded after the draft has completed. You may find that during the show I may sound a little bit quieter. There may be a little bit of sleepiness in my voice. I was also very cautious of not waking up the rest of the entire household. So uh, fun times as we drafted this one in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. For anyone listening, you'll know that myself and Sean, if you're longtime listeners of Road of His Overtime, came second last year in the FFPC season-long Best Ball Tournament with the $100,000 top prize. We did finish in second spot. We did finish in second, though, to another Road of His guy, and that was Conor O'Driscoll. He did claim that top prize thanks to Jamar Chase, and of course, Joe Burrow. We had Joe Burrow. We didn't have Jamar Chase, but fun times for the entire road of his team with a one-two finish in such a big baseball tournament. This baseball tournament will be using a lot and pretty much all of the same strategies throughout it that we used in that. We'll talk through roster construction and much more. You'll hear myself, Zach, and Sean as we're on the clock trying to make those decisions to give us an optimal lineup. We might try some fun things to make it a little bit different. Uh, we'll see how this draft plays out anyone interested in the never too early best ball tournament it is 125 dollars to enter and it is a twenty-five thousand dollar top prize in this one so if you fancy facing off against myself sean or zach we'll be entering more teams as we go through the rest of the pre-draft season this here runs up until before the nfl draft so of course it's called never too early but it will run to the draft we'll know 
more then as we move forward with landing spots and so on we do have the 102 in this draft so you'll hear us talking just before we get on the clock as to what options we will have um 102 is a, a nice spot to get we, we tend to across our kind of run of the luck we we tend to be drafting in the back half of the round but sometimes that fits with what our objectives are as we try to get that roster construction that's going to be optimal for us to challenge for those championships but today you will hear myself sean and zach of course you can find sean's work up on rotaviz.com and you can find zach's work and everything he does on his twitter feed which is at sk underscore ffb you can find me on twitter as well at overtime ireland as i mentioned this is a crossover between the road of his overtime podcast which i host with sean siegel and the other podcast i host on the road of his radio airwaves and that is the road of his best ball podcast we now have a feed specific for best ball content up on itunes uh, spotify wherever you listen to your podcast that is the road of his best ball feed if you're listening in today and you enjoy this, I would really appreciate it if you could click on that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app on the road of his best ball feed. We'll have much more coming throughout the offseason. Last offseason, myself and Zachary did about 20 episodes from all, all the things that we were going to use last year heading into the draft season. And of course, we had that one two road of his finish and uh, all the stuff we talked about there was implemented in those drafts so they will be posting up on the feed on a weekly basis as a kind of a rewind or a, a classic episode but all the stuff we talked about there was evergreen trying to make sure it was beneficial season on season if people want to go back and check those out so they will be posting up but we'll also be posting up bonus shows like this and of course myself and zach will be back as well with more shows coming your way so that is the road of his best ball feed Click that subscribe button, help support us here on the podcast network as we continue to push the boundaries and uh, look to have 2022 break all the records that we already broke in 2021 across the, the network. So head on over, click that subscribe button. Let's jump into the draft though. Listen along. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter if you if you might have done something different, but let's see where we go here at the 102. So guys, we're getting ready to go on the clock here. We have the uh, 102, so last year we waited quite a while sean in our drafts before we got some of those uh top end picks so it's gonna be a fun draft here going from the 102 spot i know one of my favorite things is uh, if you're drafting you know when we draft with blair and it's like unless it's 111 or after it's always disappointment <laughs> he loves those uh very as as much as late as possible we have zach here with us today we're going to see if how zach feels about the 102 so we'll dive into that uh first of all we are drafting obviously in the never too early best ball draft over at the ffpc 125 dollar buy-in twenty-five thousand dollars top prize we're going to see what we might be able to do maybe at the rookie position and the free agency uh, values to see if we can kind of get take some advantage of the early off-season adp but zach the 102 how are we feeling about how are we feeling about that spot yeah so i mean this is where uh team rotoviz has to you know feel conflicted right here a little bit because the the zero rb brand is now being threatened with the fact that we have a top two pick and i think christian mccaffrey and jonathan taylor are both still very viable options here but if we're not going to go that route i'm absolutely fine with going cooper cup we had talked about uh perhaps doing that a little bit early on when we saw that we got the uh, second overall pick so it, it's already you know in, in my brain i know that it's uh, on the table it's not something I'm against doing. I love kind of, you know, doing these zero RB builds and really also trying to find ways that we can kind of construct our running back position um, later on in the draft. Uh, and at this point in time, it's always an interesting part of the season because there is a possibility that you're going to get rookies who are going to be at higher values later on. We might be able to get them a little bit later on here. So I think that if you're going to not go McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor here, if we're going to go with the later running backs, 
I'm absolutely fine with Cooper Cup here. I think he's a solid pick given what we saw from him in 2021. Yeah, and uh, you know, having that 102, if we go McCaffrey or, or Jonathan Taylor, that that also gives us an opportunity to put one of those, uh, you know, stir things up with modified zero RB. Twitter loves the, the modified zero RB phrase. We like to stir that up from time to time, but uh, we'll see we'll see how we play it out here. But Sean, we, we're probably looking here at uh, Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey at the 101. That leaves us with the option of one of those guys at the 102, and then that would also leave us with uh, the Cooper Cup option is zach mentioned how are you feeling here about taylor mccaffrey or, or copper how things play out yeah it's interesting because this will be my second draft i did one that was a slow draft with blair andrews we had the 101 we did take jonathan taylor and now we get the 102 so just continue to get great luck with the slots it makes me think of last year where ben and i kept doing <laughs> draft after draft after draft hoping to get one early selection we kept getting 110 110 111 110 112 111 uh, I'm sure that I'm going to do some drafts with Ben in the next week, and they will be at the 111. So we'll have to adjust the strategy for that. It's tricky here, right? Because, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, how do you pass on one of those two guys? And you don't know that you're going to end up with a bunch of 101 and 102 as the draft season progresses. I mean, these could be our only shots to get those types of players. And yet, Cooper Cup is, is the top player, right? And you look at some of the things with the best ball win rate explorer and how things have transpired in the past and all of these first picks at running back, you know, catastrophic in terms of what's happened. Now we know that some of that's bad luck and that the specific guy who seemed to be the superstar got hurt. But you also go back and look when Antonio Brown was scoring like Cooper Cup was scoring, then his win rates out of those top spots were very good. And I think it's easier for a wide receiver to come back and have that type of season when he's established himself. They're not necessarily 25 points a game. I mean, that's just an astronomical score for a wide receiver. But if you're going to say, you know, Cup is going to come back and score at a level that puts you in a great position to win your league, I think that's a pretty easy argument to make. And then the thing that goes with that for me is that right now we're in this atmosphere in this environment where the running backs in rounds four through really nine are incredibly discounted compared to what we always see it may be that that's a trend that holds through all of draft season and the idea of passing on one of these top two backs to get some exposure to those other running backs a little bit later looks foolish at the same time i think the backs are to get much more expensive so it's very intriguing to me to go with cup and start wide receiver heavy but then pivot to running backs in the dead zone which again i think is this element where we want to be aware of how those backs have scored and they did not score well again last year right and you know at the same time if there is a way to take advantage of that and if there are guys that we really like there if there are backs that we have rated as like late second early third round backs then you don't want to avoid those players just because they're actually cheaper than you think they should be and so that's kind of the thing i'm looking at for this pick here to start the draft Okay, and uh, we are just about to, to get on the clock, so the 101 is up now, and um, it's going to be interesting to see after we, we talk through that which which way it goes, and Christian McCaffrey has gone off the board, so that's going to give us a situation where we have the option for Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup, so we've kind of, this is the part that's interesting, is, you know, you've said, Sean, that might be the, some of the only chances we get to get somebody like Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey. Jonathan Taylor sits there now for us. You did take him at the 101 previously but we're in a situation now where we're on the board we have that option and i feel quite tempted by cooper cup 
And this is one where, I mean, how much Jonathan Taylor are you legitimately going to get as the year goes along? So the fact that he was our pick in the first draft shouldn't eliminate him here. But Zach, I guess I'm feeling, especially since this is the guy I already have, and because Taylor actually does have a lower ceiling than Christian McCaffrey. I mean, one of the things here is that if McCaffrey goes to us at 102, you're like, that's the, the ultimate high ceiling pick. Taylor probably doesn't have that. Is Cup okay to go with here? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and, and let's go with Cup here. Uh, if we want a Colts running back, we'll take Naheem Hines later on. We already know this. So let's go with uh, let's go with Cooper Cup. Uh, let's get him on the board and, and let's get this thing rolling. So we have taken Cooper Cup. We'll see how it plays out over the, the course of the round. But um, yeah, it's it's always tough. You know, every, listeners will know that Jonathan Taylor was our guy all last year. He'll continue to be our guy, but just in terms of the overall cost then, um, I think Cup is interesting. And you want to try and make unique lineups as well. I think we'll see Cup go with the 102, but I don't think it'll be a consensus where we're seeing him there go regular. But maybe as ADP sets up, that might be the case. Taylor does go at the third spot, followed by Austin Eckler. And um, obviously, we're probably going to see some of our favorite wide receivers go off the board in this round. When we look ahead to round two, um, we're going to you know, have some guys at the back end of that round. Looking at the early ADP, tight ends are are going early. We talked about it in a recent show, Sean, on, on OT. We probably might have options for the likes of Pets, Waller, Kittle in that range. C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown might fall to us there. Maybe even Stefan Diggs if we're lucky, but um, maybe Jalen Waddle will will be kind of somebody if, if we do have to push for for a wide receiver at that point based on, on who goes before that. Is there anyone, um, Zach, in that range that you're really hoping falls to us? I mean, right now coming back, I, I would still want to, you know, perhaps get one of those tight ends. We're, we're pretty close to the turn, um, you know, so so hopefully we can still get a, a decent wide receiver here coming back and then also get one of those tight ends. Mark Andrews, um, you know, probably going to go shortly after Kelsey does, but I, I I would like to ideally, you know, hopefully get another solid wide receiver and tight end here. Love, love me some Darren Waller, love me some George Kittle. Um, if either of them are, are back there for us in the you know the early third or the late second, I'm I'm fine with that. And then we got a couple wide receivers here. The one that I had seen that I thought was interesting that we definitely would not have seen anything close to this last year is second year wide receiver Jalen Waddle in the second round uh, of what you sent. He went at the two of three in this draft board you sent the other day. So I think something like that's interesting. Very solid player who I think could be a lot of fun this year heading into year two under a new coaching staff as well. So a couple guys who I really like. Um, we'll see how it unfolds here, but certainly an elite tight end is always a, a good way to start a draft. Yeah, and I, I know you kind of ma- mentioned there about Waddle, and we probably wouldn't, but myself and Sean were were jumping aboard CD Lamb and uh, Justin Jefferson last year in that range, so it can it can work. Uh, it didn't work with Lamb, it did work with Jefferson, so we'll see if it works with Waddle for for that particular draft. But we'll see where he sits um, when we get to that selection. Um, since that, we do have our, I just mentioned there, Justin Jefferson's gone off the board, Derek Henry, Travis Kelsey, Najee Harris, Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon went at the 111, which seems a, a little bit rich uh, in terms of, of that pick. But um, then we have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Diggs has gone, Javante Williams is going in the second round. We have two second year running backs going with Harris and Williams to the team in the ninth spot. We have two tight ends going to the team in the eighth spot with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Pitts has gone at this point. So 
I'm probably hoping with how things are looking that we might get Debo Samuel would probably be my preferred option or AJ Brown. But you did mention Waddle. I think Lamb's in that conversation. And then I think we have the tight ends um, and, and Waller and Kittle will be interesting. Sean, what's your thoughts as we as we approach this pick? Yeah, if Debo would fall to us, that would be the absolute home run. I don't think that's really realistic. Even at this point where we have seen some guys go far above where they've gone as well. The drafts, some guys like Joe Mixon and Cam Akers, they've dropped quite a bit further. And yet I just, I don't see any way that Debo gets to 211, but he's going to get close. It's interesting that AJ Brown and Debo do go in the second half of the second round. As you mentioned, Kyle Pitts has gone. It really comes down to Waller and Kittle and which direction we want to go there. Kittle, probably the better player. He has that yards after the catch ability, just absolutely ferocious, a little bit younger, doesn't have the injury that Waller had that seemed a little bit more significant. And we saw Kittle come back and actually be his full self at the end of the season. And I think the quarterback situation is likely to be a lot better for Waller, a lot less risk that the offense, number one, will become extremely run heavy. And number two, it's split among more people. The Raiders are probably going to add to their receiving core, but even once they do, Waller will be the centerpiece. We know that the 49ers have Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You know, who could bounce back and, and be very much a star in his third season? And so that's kind of the balance that we are looking at there. The other element, and we do run some risk if we give the tight end up here, because if both of those guys would go, which is always a possibility, we've already seen a team take Kelsey and Andrews, then you're going to really regret it and uh, be in the situation where we've missed on the top tight ends. But CeeDee Lamb, as a bounce back candidate, as someone the Cowboys have said that they're going to build their team around, I don't think that he makes it through this turn. And so if we do want him, then it might make sense to risk that the team at the 101 doesn't go tight end, tight end in that interim. Yeah, so we do have uh, Nick Chubb has got off the board. We missed out on Samuel. He went two picks before AJ Brown also went. So we have the two tight ends. We have Lamb. We have Waddle. I think we're hoping to get two off those four guys, ideally one wide receiver, one tight end. Um, I don't know. I'd be tempted to go tight end here, but um, Sean, how are you feeling as we're, as we're on the clock? Um, is, is Lamb your target here? I, I think that he is because he will go in that gap if we don't take him. And, you know, it could feel very silly in just a second, but I like kind of taking the risk there. I do, for me, there, you have these two conflicting things where if we don't get the tight end, then you regret it the entire draft. At the same time, if you don't take Lamb, there is a tear break from me to Waddle. I, Zach, do you have a tear break there, or do you have those guys at the same basic place? I I think it's for me between between Lamb and Waddle. I think it's pretty clearly Lamb over Waddle. I think that Lamb should have kind of been the guy who you know was seeing more of the volume than what he ended up seeing last season. I hope that what we're hearing about the the reports of you know giving him more looks in 2022 is in fact true. I think he's got all the talent in the world to to be an elite wide receiver with those volumes. So. For me, in that offense, Dax, you know, looked fantastic this past season. I'd be going with Lamb here and then and then banking on one of these two tight ends coming back because I'm really not against having either Waller or Kittle on my team if I know it means getting Lamb secured up there. Okay, so we'll take Lamb there and we'll see how it plays out over the, the next couple of picks. Bad news so far, Darn Waller has gone off the board. We'll see if it plays out um, with the next pick here, but if... if 
tight end does happen to go, which probably won't, and I hope it doesn't, but DK Metcalf's probably in that range. I know there's a lot of concerns around Alvin Kamara and his situation off the field. Saquon Barkley's still there. And then we're into T. Higgins and, and DeAndre Hopkins at, the, at that point. Um, if we if we don't have that situation that we, we have to go something other than tight end, where, where are we looking here, Zach? Well, we talked about Waddle going in the second round. I think that was interesting. I thought that what he did uh, in his rookie season with, with the Dolphins with two, I think that that would be very solid to still get him coming back here. I obviously love DK Metcalf as well. There's concerns about Russell Wilson. Don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, we, we know that Waddle is going to be secured uh, in 2022 with the Dolphins with Tua. They seem to have a really good connection. I would not be against going. Kettle's gone. <laughs> so, so there we go. So we don't need to worry about uh, that anymore. Uh, I mean, for me, I do, I do like Waddle there. Um, I, I, I would probably go Waddle over Metcalf. Uh, just right now, with what we know about that receiver situation, he kind of looks like the clear-cut top receiver. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of threats for target volume at, at the moment as we as we do this draft in February. So I, th- I think he feels like a pretty safe bet. Um, I think Camara is interesting in the third round as well, but I, where, where are you looking at for this pick here, Sean, now that we're on the clock? Yeah, I think so. For, for me, it probably comes down to, and it would be the same three guys. It would be Higgins, Metcalf, and Lamb. Metcalf, the questions I think are maybe too much of a concern for this price, even though the upside is there. Higgins, we've now witnessed him emerge. There's no question about his talent there's no question that the offense can support multiple receivers, but I'd like to bet so much on these second-year wide receivers because they can be the guy that in the next year you're taking in the first round. Probably still not going to be the case with Higgins because you know he's behind Jamar Chase there. Jalen Waddle next year, maybe he's the 106. And so I think we look at that and kind of you know lick our wounds and and have that as the consolation for having missed out on the tight ends at this point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire 
to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So guys, we've had an interesting start here. We're three picks in um, the draft board. We had this is always going to happen. There's going to be a couple of scenarios that we talk about that then they don't play out exactly like we we anticipated. We were kind of hoping um, at the end of the second round there when we picked C.D. Lamb that one of the tight ends may have come back to us. Neither of the tight ends came back to us in those two picks, and that, that can't happen. Uh, team number one has gone Christian McCaffrey, Darren Waller, George Kettle. So they've gone double tight end in that 2-3 uh, turn. So we have Cup, we have Lamb, we have Waddle. We're off to a potentially a zero RB start. We have talked about some of our plans with the, the next couple of rounds, and I know we're starting to edge into the dead zone, but there's some interesting candidates in that range of running back that we might look at. Um, so we'll see how things start to play out. But we do have five tight ends off the board, and myself and Sean did talk about tight ends on one of our recent shows, and we did think they were going to go pretty early. So tight ends coming, coming off early. But we are... Mm, Three quarters of the way through round three, we have we took Waddle, then Barkley comes off the board, Gibson, DK Metcalf, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins currently off the board. Uh, interesting start for team number eight with Kelsey Andrews and now T. Higgins. Has anything stood out for you so far at this point? And, and how do you feel about those uh, three wide receivers to start, Sean? I really like it. And I think that at this time of the year, especially what we're seeing is that all the value at the beginning is at the wide receiver position. It falls off very swiftly from this point. And I think in part because of all the great research on the running back dead zone, a lot of guys are falling down into a range now where we're just going to have a very different dynamic, I think. But the other part is just that running backs are going to rise. And so the way that you can get excess value in early drafts is going to be to wait on some of these guys, pick and choose in the next wave and get players who end up being, you know, late second, early third round picks, but in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. So I like this element of it. There's the possibility that JK Dobbins could come back to us. There's a possibility, although, you know, a little more of a long shot, possibly that TJ Hawkinson could come back to us. I like both of those guys. And then we have plenty of uh, sort of backup candidates at this point. Zach, who would be your preference to come back around here? And you and I had chatted before the draft about uh, some, you know, very contrarian slash um, wild and crazy types of moves that we could make as we get into the draft a little bit deeper. You know, how are you seeing these next couple of picks? What are you thinking for quarterback? What are we looking at here? Sure. So yeah, I mean, we did talk about a couple of things. We got a we got a long show ahead of us. So I don't want to get too deep into some of the discussions that we talked about that we might be able to bring up with some of the later picks. Um, but no, I really like the way that we've started. I like the way that the board is kind of unfolding right now. I think that even though we didn't necessarily get the tight ends that we want, I think that's going to give us an opportunity to, like you said, possibly find some players who right now are going to be going a little bit later on or are going to be going earlier in drafts in the coming months but we're going to be able to hopefully get them a little bit later with some of the players who went ahead and did things like the double tight end. We have two teams on the board who already went ahead and did that. Quarterbacks are just now starting to go. So really what I'm kind of looking at here, I'm trying to, to balance multiple tabs here, but we got a couple different players that we're looking at. I, I don't think we necessarily need to take a quarterback with this upcoming pick 
You mentioned Dobbins might come around back to us. I think he would be a little bit of a value if that one actually worked out. Um, I, I, and I'm, and you know, I'm with you. I think that, you know, a lot of running backs is certainly, um, are going to see a lot of ADP shifts, but I'm also fine with going wide receiver here. Another guy who we said might make it back to us. There's still a chance is TJ Hawkinson, who I think would be a tremendous, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and call it a steal in February would be a tremendous steal for us at the four eleven. So I, I would like to get Hawkinson here if that actually worked out for us with some of these other teams that went tight and heavy. I think he would be a pretty good value at this point. Yeah, it feels like um, we're now at the 405. It feels like in the next couple of picks, <laughs> our hearts are going to be crushed because uh, that would be the dream scenario. He was somebody we discussed to take at that third spot after Waller and Kettle had gone. And you did mention at the time that he might get back to us. So now is the time when the hope starts to come in where maybe he does get back to us. But uh, usually then those are cruelly uh, die. So Sean, I think Hawkinson here, if he does last back, is the, the moss pick um, you did mentioning some of the the pre-draft work we were doing if we didn't get one of the the guys before hawkinson um that we'd be kind of probably locked out at the tight end position for that elite tight end we like to get um so if we do get him in the the fourth round that would be awesome if we don't get him um is there anyone who's really piquing your interest here at this point well i think travis etn probably has to be the next guy i think he's going to threaten to you know lead the running back position in receptions or at least be in that next wave after Christian McCaffrey is done and uh, you know that element of it is so important for fantasy he, he gets forgotten about a little bit because of the injury which makes sense but also provides this potential opportunity for value and his you know teammate his cohort there and James Robinson probably not going to be able to do the things that he's done in the past again opening things up for ETN to be just really the central piece of their offense and he's someone I just think is going to be a lot more expensive you know once we get into the fall and he's healthy and people know he's healthy and they're looking at how all that projects from a fantasy perspective you know, then you already can start to look at some of these rookie running backs where depending on the landing spots, I think that Hall and Spiller are insulated a little bit more than people think. You, I mean, you look at Javante Williams last year and even landing with Melvin Gordon, he ends up going in the third round by those drafts right before the season. Now, he didn't exactly pay that off because Melvin Gordon did come in and was quite a bit of a problem for him. But when we look at where these guys are going to end up being, it's going to be more expensive. Yeah, and J.K. Dobbins has just come off the board. There's one pick, Sean, before we go. So if we do happen to not have, get our hearts crushed here and Hawkinson doesn't go in the next one pick, is he the, the pick and then we're hoping to get ETN on the, the wraparound? I think so. I would be very happy with Hawkinson at the previous pick. So in the fourth round, it would be great. He does go here. That's not a surprise. I, I just don't think there really is any other place that the drafter could go in that spot. I mean, it would have been great if... They had picked Goddard. We've seen Goddard go early several times. It'd be great if they had gone Pittman, but they did not. Uh, Zach, do you have some other players here besides, say, ETN that you're looking at? The type players in ADP tend to be Pittman, Godwin, Montgomery, Ridley, those kind of guys. Yeah, no, I, I like the ETN pick. I'm on the ETN pick as well. Uh, I'm bummed that we didn't get to enjoy having him on a couple of our teams last year. So I'm I'm, I'm ready to ride the ETN train in 2022 and, and go for that one. I think he can get a lot of camp buzz and he'll be one of those guys. So his ADP could definitely spike around, um, you know, later on. So I like him. And that sound that you heard in the, the background was um, our three hearts collectively breaking with that uh, Hawkinson pick going one pick before. You know, once you, once you start talking about it, it's just going to, 
before that pick you can feel the hope building up and the hope building up and then just the, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you but we uh we, we will see what happens here now with the next pick where would you guys be at with getting goddard with this next pick coming back around like i mean you know in a lot of ways he he offered some some decent weeks and with the ffpc uh tight end premium scoring i think he's certainly a decent pick here we lost out on some of the top tight ends we know we're gonna have to get um you know possibly do a three tight end build coming up here would would goddard be the guy we want to go with we would we want to continue to pad what's already a very solid wide receiver room or what are you guys thinking for this pick well I'm probably wrong about this because it is a little bit off of where most of the community is, but I have him in the same tier with Friar Muth and, and Fant. So I, I don't think for the price that he necessarily offers us that advantage. It's also a situation here where we would be looking at potentially taking Devonte Smith. I, if we're going to bet on that offense passing more, I would actually prefer to bet on the wide receiver who I think potentially is, a superstar as opposed to Goddard, who is a good player, an above average player for his position. But that's probably not the way I prefer to play that offense. I think it's just a, a narrower path, knowing what we know about how the Eagles are playing. Now, we'd expect them to be a lot more pass heavy next season. I do expect that to bounce back. But it's hard for me to see Goddard as, as not being a, a multi-round reach at this point. Yeah, I feel I feel similar, Sean. In terms of we are on the clock with 30 seconds to go, uh, is Branton Ayuk in the conversation here? He's somebody else I think would come back around potentially. I know Blair and I took him at the end of the sixth in our recent draft. I don't think that Hall will. I mean, he's a little bit of a reach here too, but being on the edge, we're a little bit out of position. Is that someone you feel comfortable with, Zach? Yeah, I was actually going to ask about him. If that's where we want to go with, I'm fine with that. Um, one one thing that we talked about with just player player values rising, I went ahead, um, I went ahead and pulled up the uh, FFPC exposure ADP on rotoviz.com for those of you tuning in and took a look at it real quick and just even going back to someone like Najee Harris this is ranging from literally January of last year up until September and we saw Najee Harris go from roughly around a little bit before the 40th overall pick all the way up inside of the top 20 around the 15th overall pick um, you know shortly after the April draft happened the May draft happened and and we saw Najee rise by about you know almost two rounds so I think that like a guy like Brees Hall is the perfect candidate to possibly be one of those guys on a Najee Harris-like ADP trajectory for the 2022 season, because a lot of people are regarding Brees Hall as per perhaps the best running back in this draft class. We know that that's how they regard Najee Harris last year. He obviously got the first-round draft capital, went to the Steelers, who also did not have a very great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger that year. So you knew that they were going to lean heavily on Najee Harris from both the running the ball perspective, but then also hopefully checking down to him. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Brees Hall can, can catch passes too. So I think that he kind of has um, that that Najee Harris ADP trajectory in the coming months where I really like getting him here in the, what was it, the fifth round we got him. I think that could be a very, very solid pick here. So, Sean, as we look ahead, um, moving through the draft here, a lot of running backs going in this round, uh, in round five. So Ridley and Godwin went after our EDN pick, and then, We've had, uh, we, took, we took Hall, then Lamar Jackson, Goddard, who we did talk a little bit about there, Elliot Montgomery, uh, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, now Dawson Knox. So we are really seeing tight end come off the board uh, at a, a rapid, a pretty rapid rate. We're tight end eight at this point. Amar Ross and Brown goes off the board. So we do, uh, I just noticed now as we go through it, Sean, we have uh, team number 10 is named no wide receiver here. Uh, it's going to be interesting if we find out who that is after after the draft, but 
Um, in terms of some of the players that we might be looking ahead to then moving forward, we have seen some players um, go a little bit different to ADP, but round six, some of the targets um, from your recent series on the, the Way Too Early series up on Rotovis, um, Justin Herbert may have been in that range, but um, he has gone off the board. He actually went off the board in the early fourth in this one. Um, so, you know, we can see some of those players getting pushed up a little bit already. But when we look through some of the other options, I did mention Ayuk. I think he would continue to um, be a tempting option if he gets back to us there. He would. And Kadarius Tony also a potential breakout candidate. Probably the player that offense is going to be built around next season. Obviously, Tony and Saquon Barkley, assuming health for both of those guys. Traylon Burks has been going earlier than that, but would be an interesting player if he fell. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of right back to where there are a lot of running backs who are very interesting. And this is one of the reasons, again, that we decided to go with Cup at the 102 instead of Jonathan Taylor, because you know, wide receiver is really flattened out and the value is going to be similar for many, many rounds at this point. Whereas, you know, Devin Singletary, a guy <laughs> who won us a bunch of money is going to be just sitting out there. And yeah, there, there's a very real possibility that they could add, but even if they do, he's going to be a good player. If they don't, I mean, you're talking about an above average running back in the NFL's best offense. And, you know, we're in round six, round seven. This, again, shows you some of the interesting dynamics and the way that drafts are changing here in 2022. How do you feel, um, Zach, about the, the possibility of maybe looking at a Singletary here? Um, as Sean mentioned, uh, fond place in our heart after after the, the last couple of years, but particularly uh, this last season. Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys hit the nail on the head. He he won people a lot of money late in the season. He he kind of seemed to have at least solidified that rule from Zach Moss. I think my one concern would probably be what if the Bills decide to go out and get someone in the draft to perhaps play either alongside or over, over Devin Singletary, in which case I'm not sure that I feel strongly about a six-round value on him if that winds up being the case. But this is why we're also, you know, taking some of these gambles. And, you know, we, we have Travis Etienne, we have Brees Hall, those guys are probably moving up, you know, in ADP as well. In the coming months, maybe that negates something like a Singletary maybe losing value later on in the coming months. Uh, that would be my only concern, but I certainly don't don't hate the pick there as far as, you know, what we saw from him this past year. Yeah, and the, the player I was kind of mentioning there for from the previous round, like it happened in the, the round before, the player we kind of talked about at the previous round went one spot earlier. So that was uh, where I was hoping Another player in that area that I'd be still interested at wide receiver would be Jerry Judy. Um, but Sean, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. Is he the player here that that you're looking at as the possible breakout? And then we do still have Singletary, as, as we mentioned. And I know you mentioned some concerns there, Zach, but if that situation doesn't play out, that, and really they would have to take probably a running back in the first two rounds to make that happen. Well, Burks did make it back here. And so he would be an interesting selection because he mostly is probably not going to. Let's hammer the rookies. Let's let's go uh, team team all rookie here. Let's do it. I do like the Traylon Burks pick. I I think that's I think that could be very solid. I I don't probably predicting a Jamar Chase type ascension is a little is a little bold and optimistic, but I I do think that he could you know mess around a little bit here in the coming months and really end up being the overall wide receiver one of this draft class. Uh, there there are a couple of mocks out there that have him as the first receiver off the board, so I like that a lot. 
and I still do like Kadarius Tony a lot as well. Um, I, I think that he's someone who could really, you know, have that that second year breakout as well. Questions about the quarterback, you know, new head coach, all that stuff. But he he was very explosive with the ball in his hand, and they tend to target him a lot when he was healthy and on the field. That seems to be, I think, the uh, question mark with him heading into this. But I, I'm not against Tony here either. I do love, you know, the the Burks pick as well. We've, we've got a great wide receiver room here early. And uh, talking about those, Sean, in terms of the players available, like I think I think Singletary is very, very interesting. I think how do you feel about roster construction with taking those two running backs and, you know, not last round, but two rounds prior um, moving into this one? We have the option of Tony, we have the option of Judy. We also have the option there of uh, going for Singletary. Well, Spiller is another player here that I don't expect to make it back, but could also be the top running back in these two rounds cheaper. I think that we have a lot of options where Co- Tony isn't the top guy on my board, but I think he's the least likely of all these guys we're interested in to actually come back. So let's take him and then continue to sort of plot our construction from there. Obviously, that gives us a wide receiver. We'll not end up too heavy at running back, but we know that there are a lot of guys we still like. I mean, James Conner is going at an extraordinary value. And so, uh, you know, someone easy to get there. You look at what Jarek McKinnon did in the postseason, and, and that's still what they want from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? And he's going to get one more shot at this. It looks like Kansas City finally figured out where their offense is going to go and how it needs to work. One of the things, too, is that there's the very real possibility that those things haven't been happening with Edwards-Alaire because he simply can't do them. And the fact that they made this huge reach to get him instead of the much more talented running backs was doubly a mistake because not only did you give up the talent as a runner, but he actually can't do the things that you drafted him for. And yet at the same time with the prices that he's going at in drafts, I just, clearly you don't want him in every draft at this point, but he's someone you have to consider at those prices. One of the things that I would mention here is that I guess I feel a lot better with the stacks if we're doing cheaper stacks and it's interesting when you pull up the best ball win rate explorer that the QB one with the wide receiver one has actually terrible results, whereas the QB one with the wide receiver two does better. So it's not that we shouldn't look for some of those things, but I, I wouldn't want to force it. It wouldn't be a, a reach from the perspective of the quarterback rankings here, but I just think one of the things that we can benefit from would be with the quarterbacks going so early, we're going to get more value. I, as this develops, and especially since we don't have a tight end and we're going to have to do some squirrely things to address that as well, I just I think we have to wait at QB and, and really try and pull off our gunslinger approach at that position. So we're going to hold it there for today's show. We are just into the seventh round. Let's see what we do uh, when we move forward here. It's, it's an interesting draft so far, how things have played out. We'll see how we manage things as we go through the rest of the draft. We will be dropping the next episode of this show all through the week. Is, is going to be the theme of this. We're going to drop the second show. There will be four shows. The fourth show will be a recap. Part two and part three are the continuation of the draft, the mid-rounds, and then the late rounds. And that is, in my opinion, where drafts are often won or lost in terms of the success rate of these teams and the overall roster construction so we will be back to talk from the seventh round onwards and we'll see how things play out there who we get what do we do at tight end what do we do at qb it's going to be an interesting couple of rounds and these are action-packed of course i've already recorded this draft i know how it plays out but i think this uh, second episode is one that you're really going to want to tune into to help you build those best ball 
juggernauts in 2022. Once again, I was joined on this show by Zach Kruger, my co-host on the Road of His Best Ball podcast. I did mention at the top of the show, but we do have a, a new dedicated podcast feed. The show last year had so much you know, success and there was more content being looked for throughout the entire summer last year. And we did about 20 shows. So they will be going up as reposts and classic episodes over the next couple of weeks, over the next two months, basically. And uh, we'll also be posting fresh content like this, like shows that myself and Zach are going to team up on. They'll all be going on the Road of His Best Ball feed. Make sure you head on over. If you haven't already subscribed, click that subscribe button and uh, you'll get all of those shows once they go live. But we will be dropping part two of this on Tuesday. We'll be then dropping part three on Wednesday and part four on Thursday. We're going to go rapid fire to drop this out and we will be drafting from now on throughout the off season. So lots of stuff coming your way. Hopefully you'll enjoy these. We got a lot of positive feedback from the live drafts last year and uh, we'll be trying to stream some of these as well as we move forward up on our Road of His YouTube channel which is up and running. We are looking to hit that 400 mark. You may already, if you head on over and check, we may have already hit 400 subscribers at this time. We're making modest goals, but uh, it is growing day on day, week on week, and uh, we're going to keep pushing that forward. So head on over. If we have already hit the 400 mark, we're going to march towards 500. That's going to be the next goal. We're going to go 100 by a 100. Click that subscribe button. You'll get some awesome content over there as well. And of course, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass. All you have to do is drop that promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass and get you access to all of our content and tools. The tools we talk about through this series, all the best ball tools and all that good stuff up on rotoviz.com. Once again, that code is RVRADIO2022. This has been a crossover edition of the Rotoviz Best Ball Podcast and Rotoviz Overtime. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimarland. Check out Zach Kruger on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. And check out all of Sean Siegel's work up at rotaviz.com. Until we're back with the next show, have a good one. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com